Welcome back to Talk Green to Me, a podcast about materials and sustainability. I'm Manali. And I'm Nasreen. You know, Manali, I've been feeling a little blue about being green. Oh, I don't know what that means, but that doesn't sound good. I've been feeling like we're always recycling, but are we even actually helping the planet? I heard a lot of times everything ends up in landfill anyway. Do companies even care that we recycle or even use the stuff that we recycle? Does what we do as consumers even matter? Boy, these are some pretty existential questions, Zestreen. Are you in crisis? My birthday did just happen, so yes, I'm in a pre-midlife crisis. Oh, I don't know. Getting pretty close to midlife there. Rude. Oops, my bad. Well, anyway... Don't go and buy an expensive car just yet, unless it's got recycled materials in it. We can sort it out, quite literally. Consumers are actually at the center of the recycling ecosystem. So you're saying what we do really does matter? I could use some cheering up. Yes, what we do definitely matters. And I've got just the thing to cheer you up. Let me tell you all about it, because this is episode 23A, Circular Economy. What goes around comes back around. In this episode, we aren't talking about a specific material. It's a little bit different from some of our previous episodes but we are deep diving into a very important concept in the world of sustainability. Is it more important than materials? Does it involve materials? It definitely involves materials, and it also involves you and me. Don't all our episodes involve you and me? The Earth doesn't revolve around us. Okay, well, it involves what you and I do as consumers and our role in the economy. If we don't change, the Earth and its resources will be in trouble. So, it kind of does revolve around us, or at least with us. Have you heard of the sustainability buzzword? Circular economy? I have, but people kind of just throw this word circular economy around. What does it actually mean? I guess circular implies things go around and economy implies money. So you're saying sustainability is all about money going around in circles? Almost, but not quite. So let's break it down. First, an economy is basically an ecosystem of producing and consuming goods, and everybody has a role to play. That makes sense. Someone makes a good and someone uses it up. Yep. And right now, most economies or economic systems are what's called a linear economy. It's a take-make-waste economy. We take raw virgin materials from the earth, those get turned into goods, we consume the goods, and then it becomes waste that mostly goes into landfill. Oh, that sounds like it would produce lots of waste. It does. Currently, most economies are linear, and it generates a ton of waste that ends up in landfills. It uses up a lot of raw materials, too, so lots of fossil fuels and finite resources need to be extracted. Back in the old days, like in the 1700s or earlier. Oh my god, that's almost as old as you. (laughs) 
I'm going to ignore these rudenesses and continue. Anyway, most things were only made of a few materials and elements back then. Right, but then industrialization happened and more and more materials and elements are now needed to make things like our fancy smanchy smartphones. And people consume a lot more now than ever before. Yeah, in the United States alone, consumers spend around $4.3 trillion on goods and services, and it has been increasing over the last several decades. This sounds like a lot of money and waste. It is, and the U.S. actually has the highest household spending of any nation. Are you telling me that more developed countries consume more than developing countries on a household level? That's exactly what I'm telling you. And with more consuming comes more pollution and waste. Remember our bonus episode on the recycling stories in developed and developing nations? We learned that people in developing nations tend to reuse things a lot more. Well, I'm glad that there's data that backs up what we've learned by doing this podcast. Also, that sounds like there are probably many social impacts of a linear economy, too. Yeah, there definitely are. And if we don't change the way we're doing things now, our planet will not be able to meet all our demands. This is exactly why we need to think in a different manner. Yeah, Earth is definitely in my top eight favorite planets. So it sounds important. Are you going to do Pluto like that? Rude. Pluto already got rejected. (laughs) It's true. So what is a circular economy? Did we decide on a definition? Yeah, circular economy is basically a system that replaces the concept of end of life with the concept of getting the value and materials of those products back. So instead of end of life landfilling, you do things like reducing, reusing, and recycling. Yeah, and even recovering the materials. To quote Beyonce about reducing consumption, quote, I am so through with that because honestly, it turned out to be the best thing I never had. Yeah, sure. If you never buy it, you are in fact reducing waste. And that is the best thing for a circular economy. I mean, Beyonce doesn't lie. What goes around comes back around. She was talking about a circular economy. I thought it was Shakira's hips that didn't lie. I mean, those also go in circles. I think so. (laughs) Yes. And together, it's just a beautiful liar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, so the four R's of circular economy are reducing, reusing, recycling, and recovering materials. And these can happen in any stage in the life of a product, production, distribution, and consumption. The idea is to maintain the highest value of any material for as long as possible and to eliminate waste as much as possible. Right. We want what goes around to come back around so it can keep providing value without having to make new things. It's a very noble concept. I'm in. But how does this work? There's actually a ton of ways. We already talked about reducing. The other way is reusing. Goods can be designed to last longer or be more reusable. Think of a reusable cloth grocery bag versus a disposable plastic one. Oh, sweet. I use those. I'm a circular economy expert. Okay, expert might be a bit far, but that's a really good step. I spend a lot of time thinking and complaining about thinking about circular economy. Please see my PhD thesis, chapter four. 
You really did do a lot of complaining. Okay, but I like doing the actual things, not just writing about it. Anyway, what else? What about repairing clothes, cars, or electronics instead of getting new ones? Because I do that too. Really? You repair your cars? I mean, someone else does it for me, but... (laughs) Oh, right. Well, yeah, that definitely counts as well. You are retaining the value of the rest of the item. Like, if your coffee machine breaks because of a faulty wire, replacing that wire only means that you retain the value of the rest of the coffee maker parts. But this is only from the consumer side. Yeah, so far these examples are from the consumer side. But producers can also improve the design of their goods so that the items last longer and can be reused and repaired often. You could also make the same items with fewer materials. Or you can get more value out of the raw materials by making recyclable products and products with more recyclable content. Even for all the materials, even metals that are infinitely recyclable, it's still better to reduce and reuse before recycling. And for materials that can't be recycled infinitely, like paper, it's better to recycle them and use the recycled material for the highest quality products. What do you mean? Well, the more you recycle fibers, the shorter they become and eventually they collapse. Fibers in paper that has been recycled one time is stronger than the fibers that have been recycled five times. So you want your best fibers in the products that have the highest strength requirements. That makes sense, but what happens when they are no longer strong enough to be useful for anything? Then you should use them for other things like making biogas or energy. Bio-based materials are nice because they can be used to make more bio-based materials, which isn't as true for fossil fuels or for ores for making metals, or at least not in any usable time scale anyway. That's right, yeah. And these are all things that are part of the circular economy mindset. You mentioned social impacts as well. Yeah, part of a circular economy is and should be sustainable development, meaning that the products we design and make and use and recycle consider how it impacts other people and other things. Like climate change and reducing biodiversity and increasing pollution. Yeah, we have to think about all of these things, which are called externalities. So what are externalities? That's a good question. Externalities are basically the side effects of production or consumption decisions that affect others. They indirectly affect those not involved, like secondhand smoke. Yeah, smoking kills, and not just to those that do it. That escalated quickly. But it's true! You're right, we are an anti-smoking podcast. Smoking has negative externalities. Yeah, it does. A negative externality is when the social cost of something is greater than the private cost. Right. And with smoking, a non-smoker may have to pay health care costs because they got sick due to secondhand smoke. This cost is not accounted for by the original smoker. Another example is a company that's emitting bad chemicals into the air or water. Again, somebody not related to the company might get sick from these actions and have to pay healthcare costs down the line. This has been documented with bad mining practices around the world. The company might get the ore to make metals or other elements, but people may be forced to move or their food or water supply become contaminated from the chemicals used in the production. 
Yeah, and that's another reason why it's important to recycle metals rather than get fresh mining ore. We mentioned negative externalities in our episode about Teflon. DuPont made billions of dollars producing fluorochemicals, but previously they dumped the waste in rivers instead of properly disposing of it. Yeah, people got sick and farmers lost their livelihoods. People lost their lives or were born with birth defects. This is a huge cost not only for the individuals, but for the whole healthcare system as well. Aside from healthcare, there's poor production choices that lead to habitat loss, biodiversity loss, and climate change, which all impact larger groups than individuals. Yes, and designing a more circular product or participating in a more circular economy means that you take into account these impacts to the environment and to society. Are there positive externalities? There sure are. This is when the private or individual cost is greater than the social cost. For example, research and development of a new technology uh, is a positive externality. A company might spend millions of dollars developing an at-home COVID test, for example, but people like you and me can get those tests for free or greatly reduced to help stop the spread of the disease of the virus, and that ensures fewer people get sick. Yeah, so spending money on developing new recycling technologies can also have positive externalities if it means reducing pollution overall, such as fewer microplastics down the line, which ultimately is better for everyone. Yep, this all makes sense. Okay, Nasreen, lots of companies are already making recyclable products, and it feels like there's been a shift towards circular economy in general in the recent past. Yeah, but remember all my existential crises questions? Right, right. So how do we deal with the question of whether this makes a difference or not? Yeah, and how do we know whether things will actually get recycled or if people will actually reuse a reusable bag? Well, partially it has to come from consumers. Consumers have to want to reuse a bag or else they never will. Consumers are the worst sometimes. Well, to be fair, I try very hard to take my own bags to the grocery store, but sometimes I use a plastic bag for the meat in case it leaks. And this is where the producers come in. How so? Well, if producers made meat packaging more leak-proof, then I could get away with not using a plastic bag. But more leak-proof means they have to use more materials, right? Yeah, and that's the trade-off. There are trade-offs in all of this. It's similar to recycling, like recycling a cardboard box is good, but as we mentioned in our previous episode, the recycled fibers will be weaker and not as strong. So then you might need to use more fibers. And by previous episode, Nasreen means episode two. (laughs) And that's very true. These trade-offs are definitely there, but in the field of recycling, things are constantly changing, hopefully for the better. In the realm of paper and cardboard, recycling technologies have been rapidly developing so that more and more things can be recycled. That's right. A good example is cartons. We definitely talked all about this in episode 14. Chris Carr from Carton Council says cartons are definitely recyclable. Basically, paper mills have now improved their technologies to where they can take cartons even though they contain about 25% non-fiber. Before, this would gum up their machines and everything would slow down, but the recycling process can now remove these impurities much better. 
There are obviously other approaches as well, such as the concept of renting equipment that isn't used all the time, such as a drill or a power washer. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I used either of those things. Well, not just you, but people out in the world definitely use them, but not every day. So that means that if one such item exists, people can take turns and borrow or rent out the equipment. That reduces the number of products out in the world, meaning fewer raw materials. Precisely. There's also companies that are redesigning products that serve the same function but use fewer materials. Yeah, like dissolvable cleaning tablets or cleaning concentrates. Yeah, why pay for the transportation of a bunch of water? And that way the packaging can also be made smaller. So these are all great examples, and it's happening already. Is circular economy basically solved? No, not even close. While previous economies in history were much more circular and bio-based, the idea of circular economy is a new and developing concept that has experts from all sorts of fields studying it and trying to make a difference. Yeah, all the way from engineering to business to marketing and policy. But what is it that they are studying exactly? Well, one thing people are trying to understand is how to measure circularity, meaning can we put a number to how good a product is for a circular economy? Okay, and why do we care about this? It might be helpful for consumers to compare products to see which ones were made with circular economy and sustainability in mind. Yeah, like Halius from FOSCycle mentioned in our previous episode, Farmers in the UK are looking to buy fertilizers that are more sustainable. And that's where having a measure of sustainability and circularity would be useful. Right. And I guess it could also help brands and companies make their products be more sustainable. Exactly. Like we said earlier, most products now are made with parts or materials from many different places. Most products have parts or components made by several companies or suppliers. So a number... For circularity could tell a company putting the final product together how circular their suppliers were. Yeah, these numbers could even be a label, like the resin identification codes that are on plastics, which help identify what type of plastic it is, like styrofoam or uh, polyethylene. Or the FSC and SFI labels, which signify that fibers in the paper were sustainably forested. A circular economy metric or label could be super useful. Back to consumers for a second. It's not just about people reducing, recycling, and reusing. They must also want to buy more circular and sustainable products. There are many reasons why people choose to buy what they buy. Many people just want to buy the cheapest product for the quality they need. Other people, like me, are more willing to pay extra for a more sustainable product because they care a lot about their impact. La-di-da, I'm Nasreen, I'm better than you. Only when it comes to sustainability. (laughs) (laughs) There are also some people who are loyal to certain brands and will be willing to accept changes to products if their favorite brand makes them. For example, Apple loyalists will keep buying Apple products no matter what sustainability changes it has made. That's true. You will never, ever, ever get me to buy an Android. Just won't happen. You can't make me. There are people who don't care about brand loyalty at all and just want a really high quality product and will pay whatever it takes to get that quality. 
Oh, boy. It just seems like there's so many different types of consumers to cater to if you're designing products. How to even go about that? There really are a lot of different types of consumers. In the United States, the largest fraction of consumers are the ones that care about price. So it's important for companies to make products with circular economy in mind at a price point that people are actually willing to pay. Like I said, if my meat is cheaper with its leaky tray and I can use a free plastic bag, then sometimes I'll buy that cheaper option instead of the same meat in a super fancy leak-proof packaging. Only if my meat is the same quality in both cases, I guess. But if the fancy packaging means better quality and longer shelf life, would you pay more? Yeah, probably. If it means it'll last longer in my fridge. Either way, we definitely need consumers to help with circular economy too, since they are a big part of the economic system. The ecosystem, if I may say. What people buy matters just as much as what they recycle. Or not recycle. Definitely. People can also help by asking companies for more transparency. Ask for more sustainable materials and ask companies more questions about their circular economy practices. This was brought up by Tom Rosenmeier from Silpera. He mentioned we should ask what is happening to our tires when we get our tires changed. People just need to know about the end of life and the beginning of life of all their products. Another such company that is trying to do more to make its production more circular is Westrock. Westrock is a paper company that makes recycled paper and packaging. Join us on our next episode to listen to our interview with Kevin Hudson, Senior Vice President of Forest and Recycled Fibers. So, Nasreen, are you feeling a little bit better now? Are you less of a negative Nancy? You mean a negative Nasreen? A little bit. (laughs) I'd feel better if I knew that all of our listeners did things to help the circular economy. Like I said, I want to know that we are actually making a difference. Actions are worth more than words. And, you know, what goes around comes around. Well, we might not know, but it's definitely still worth trying. To quote Beyonce, you won't break my soul. I am, in fact, quitting my job and I'm telling everybody. Wait, how does this relate? Those are the the lyrics in her song. She's like, you won't break my soul. And then she's like, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to tell everybody. I'm going to dye my hair. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, I clearly don't know enough about Beyonce songs. (laughs) I don't know any of this stuff. Okay, okay. To quote Beyonce, you won't break my soul. And to quote her further in the same song, I am in fact quitting my job and I'm telling everybody, please hire me to make your products more circular. Yeah, she's not kidding. Nasreen might even be dyeing her hair. Well, maybe not because, you know, make less waste. Produce! But hire her. This episode was edited and produced by Manali Banerjee and Nasreen Khan. Music is by Shang Young. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGTM Podcast, or you can email us at talkgreentomepodcast at gmail.com.